Are you ready to live your best life, be stronger, and fall in love with yourself? It's possible, and it's inside you, but you need to unlock the power within. Welcome to Fearlessly Authentic with Jody Harrison Bauer. Jody used to be afraid to take risks. It took some stepping out of her comfort zone to get her there. Along with her guests and their stories, Jody will help you to live your best life ever. Now, here's your host, Jody Harrison Bauer. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Fearlessly Authentic. I am your host, Jody Harrison Bauer, and I'm so happy to have you join me. It's been a while since I've done a live show. I'm so excited and I'm super excited to introduce you to my guest today, but I want to make sure that if you are new to the show today, welcome, welcome. The show is about overcoming fears and obstacles so you can live your most fearlessly authentic life. And you know, it's not so easy because we always are overcoming some type of obstacle or fear. For me, it was fear. As you heard in the intro, I was always afraid to take risks. I'm still a little scared sometimes, but I think that's part of evolution. You know, if we're not learning, we're not growing, we're not a little scared, we're not growing into the human beings that we want to be. So that is why I named it Fearlessly Authentic. So welcome, and I know you're going to enjoy the show. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on all streaming podcast platforms, and check us out on YouTube also. You can find me at Jody Harrison Bauer on all of my social channels. That's my handle every single place. It makes it really easy. But the fun thing about the YouTube, and I don't talk about this so much, is that people like to see people talking to each other. So check us out on YouTube. Go to Jody Harrison Bauer and subscribe so you don't miss any of the shows. So I think that is it for today. That is my my little housekeeping stuff. So welcome, welcome. And I want to welcome Joyce Logan to the show today. Joyce, welcome. Thank you. I am so honored to be on. I love your show. I am. I am so <laughs> excited to have this conversation with you today. We've been talking about it for years. Yes. Joyce and I have known each other for a, a long time, and um, I'm just thrilled and very honored to have her here today. So I'm going to give everybody a little bit of an intro to who Joyce Logan is, so you can be as impressed as I am. Joyce Logan, PhD, is the author of Starving Your Fears from Panic to Peace in 10 Easy Steps. She holds a doctorate in metaphysical philosophy and is a certified hypnotherapist. She founded the Wellness Center in Connecticut, which she presided over for many years, helping people with anxiety disorders, panic attacks, and stress management. With a dual career in public relations and wellness, Joyce is the former founder and president of Fan Emporium, Inc., a celebrity-based public relations firm where she worked one-on-one with her clientele, which included many top recording artists such as Mariah Carey, Michael Bolton, John Mellencamp, Carly Simon, Kenny Loggins, and Kenny G, just to name a few. With her main goal to help others enjoy their life, Joyce is currently working on a book due out next year about how to easily use the laws of attraction to quickly change your life. Her book, Starving Your Fears, is in its second printing worldwide. She has co-authored several books and was interviewed on many occasions by the New York Times, 
Wall Street Journal, and featured on numerous TV shows and national magazines. Joyce continues to inspire and help those struggling with anxiety and stress. She also works along with companies utilizing her public relations skills for their business growth. She is the owner of Joyce Logan Productions in Connecticut. Phew, when you hear that, wow. does that blow your mind sometimes? Who is that person? <laughs> Who is that person? Right, exactly. Like, where did I find her? So you have had a wonderful career. You have been helping. It seems like at the the foundation of who you are is to help other people. It is. You know, I didn't realize that until the last few years when I thought back on my life. And I was doing that when I was 12 and 13 years old. I had a, a really dear friend who got caught up with drugs because of her, her boyfriend and her parents forbid all of us to see her. She went to Silver Hills in Connecticut and um, gosh, I just love that girl so much. And I wrote her a letter and I don't exactly remember what I wrote, but I hand wrote like this three page letter. And I remember saying, please focus on your goals for the future because you have so much to live for. Her parents came to my home and spoke with my parents and said, I would be the only one that could go to Silver Hills to see her. And you were 12? Well, I was 13 then. So young. And and I just had this innate, you know, just yearning always to help someone that was in trouble. And yeah. I think, you know, I don't think everybody feels that way. I don't think there is that innate desire to help others. I think you and I align so well because that is the foundation of what we want to do. Mm -hmm. It has always been that way, even though we've talked about our desires and dreams to do a lot of things like we're probably never going to stop. Not that I'm comparing myself to you, but it's just, I think we're cut from the same cloth in that sense. And I understand, really, really understand that desire to want to help. And, you know, some people try to fake it and obviously it comes off very unauthentic, but with you, you are really the true deal here. So I want to go back and start, Mm -hmm. you know, from when you started getting involved and realizing that you had this gift to help people, not just in the wellness area, because you were going to school as a therapist to study, to become a, a therapist, correct? Right, right. And then you found yourself working at a radio station. So take us yes. through that journey. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, music was always important to me. Um, you know, go- going back, you just made me realize that when I was 12 years old, uh, the Beatles were a big, you know, they were big. And I, I loved, I loved them before I loved anyone else in that way. But I didn't love them like I wanted to marry them. I wanted to help them. How crazy is that sounds? That is. So I walked to the New Haven Library when I was 12 years old. And I thought, I bet one of their parents still has their name listed in a England, UK phone book in the library. No way. I asked the librarian and I got in touch with George Harrison's mother and sister. And, and at that time it was costly to make a phone call. And yes. So I really, you know, got in trouble for that, but I got them on the phone and they, you've never told me this story. I I can't believe it. (laughs) 
they lived on Mackett's Lane and um, in Liverpool, mm-hmm. and we started corresponding. So I said, I'd like to like run a contest. And WABZ in New Haven was one of the big pop stations. They didn't know I was 12 years old because I just called them. And I said, I'd like to do this contest. I know George Harrison's mother and sister. And what I decided to do was ask them if they could give me a list of all the teenagers in that area and possibly on, on their street that would like to interact with young girls from America. And they did. They sent me a list and we ran a contest and then they invited me in the station and then they saw me. <laughs> wow. And I think they actually, this, this is way pre me working, of course, in radio. I think they thought they were going to hire me for something. And then they saw that I was this 12 year old. Like little 12. Girl. Yes. Right. They allowed me to um, take the news off of the, however, you know, thing that they had and do little things like that. But, but then, you know, I kind of forgot about that and, you know, life went on and um, yeah. So then I found myself, you know, pregnant at 16, at 17, I was married by 18. I had two little kids and not too long after that, I was divorced, of course. Mm-hmm. And um, I wanted to go back to, you know, school. I wanted to go to college. I wanted to, I wanted to be a therapist. I wanted to help people. That was at my core. Right. And I realized also that I needed to get work. You know, right. I needed you needed to, to you needed to make money and you needed and you needed, and you needed what you thought, family. right. That would be a viable career. The fact that you've always wanted to help people. Yes. Yeah. So you go to the radio station, love of music, needing needing to make money, but you're like, okay, I'm gonna go to the radio station. What happened right. there? Because that's right. where like it all started happening with because of your communication skills, your heart, your authenticity. Yes. Yes. And this also started something else that maybe we could touch upon later, because I know you talk about age discrimination and powerful and all that. I was in my late 20s and they told me I was too old to work in radios. Wow. Yeah. And I just thought, what? (laughs) 20. So uh, they also they had a um, 19 year old and myself. And we sat at a table and they interviewed us and they mostly wanted her, but they decided that hmm, they liked me also. So they hired both of us and she got the receptionist job and I got the sales secretary job. So as I was, but I was also offered another job that was closer to my home for more money. But see that music pulled at me. You know, music just always felt good. And I thought, I think I'll be happier in radio. You know, I'll work in radio. But was there a part of you where, you know, you wanted to help people, but did you ever think that you would fall into the entertainment industry? Did you ever think, because I know, and we're going to get to talking about manifestations and so on and so forth, but nothing about that ever came into your... And this really does tie into manifestation because true manifestations happen when you just keep doing what you love. Not that, oh, I wish, I want, and then, and I'm going to, I'm going to make vision boards about it because I had stress. Yes. I just knew that I loved music and I always liked being the person behind. I didn't want to be, I couldn't sing. So I I, I didn't want to be the entertainer, but I loved 
helping people. Again, it was that thread. So mm. while I was at the radio station doing sales secretary work, I said, hey, um, how come you're not like passing out bumper stickers at the beach or you're not doing this? And they said, well, we had a promotions director. She got a better job in New York and we're never going to open that up again. And I thought, hmm, you know, I think I think you will because you're you're missing the boat here because I just felt I would help. And I donated my time. I said, give me the bumper stickers. I'll go to the beach or they were having some kind of movie premiere. And I, and I said, well, how about if we go there and we have T-shirts made up and, and we do that? Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. I even walked the stage manager's dog. I went mm-hmm. to their house. I did some typing. And I would say, so do you think they'll ever have like a <laughs> that money for a promotions director? And within six months, I had the office upstairs and I was the promotions director. That's, cr- that's crazy. But it's not crazy because, again, if you believe that, that you're meant for that position or that job or that yeah. that relationship, it does happen if you keep just believing in it. And it's, you know, for some people, it's a mantra. Some people feel like they have to say that every morning. You and I have talked about these things when we've both gone through some tough times saying certain things to ourselves. But I think it's this, for me, and I'm wondering about for you, for me, it's like this inner voice that talks to me. I don't necessarily have to say it out loud, but when I'm getting my coffee in the morning, I'm thinking to myself, yep, I see myself, you know, on a private jet, you know, on talk shows, you know, something like that. And I just, it's like a vision. It's just sort of like that vision, bolt of lightning. And I'm wondering like for you, is it, does that happen with you as well? Yes. 100%. Yes. Because after that, I I did go back to school. I was going to school at night. I was Mm -hmm. doing the evening classes. But I have to say, yeah, to get my PhD took me 18 years. Wow. Because I was very involved with my work. And whatever I get involved with, I immerse myself in. You do. And one day, as I was sitting, putting on my makeup, watching MTV, getting ready to go to the radio station, I saw uh, a video and the the music video was Journey. But there was this one clip in the back. There was a woman with a clipboard and, and they were doing a sound check. And that's what I saw. And I said to myself, ooh, I would like to have that job. That looks right. like that looks like it would be cool. Yeah. And if I if I fast forward the story, I'll just say that. Uh, within a few years, I was standing there with a major band on stage. Um, it was part of the radio station promotion, and I had the clipboard. And I thought, oh, I am that person. <laughs> it's so, it's some people going back to what you started with talking about when you were 12, 13 years old, wanting mm-hmm. to help the girl, then wanting to help people in the entertainment business, not knowing where that role was going to take not you. Not at all. No. And I have this conversation with one of my daughters a lot. And she always says to me, but mom, how did you know? How did you know you were going to win those bikini competitions? How did you know you were going to have a podcast? How did you know? Mm. And you just say, I just knew it's just something that I, I, I wanted. And I guess I had that gift of manifesting, but do you believe based on your experience that 
people can be taught how to manifest, if I can use that word as the verb here? I think what I teach people is that they've always been manifesting. Okay. And when they consciously manifest, that's where the magic happens. And when you give uh, credit to it, when you acknowledge it, when you say, wow, that's awesome, you know, that's where the doors open even more. You know, it's really like someone that gives you a gift. And if you don't acknowledge it over a period of time, and I've had this happen where I just thought the person hated what I was giving them. And, uh, and I stopped giving gifts. Mm. And then one day she mentioned, oh, you know, I treasure this or that. It's like, why didn't you tell me? I thought you hated all these things that I, that I was giving you. And, I, and that's how the universe, I truly believe, reacts with us. When you stop and you give thanks and you acknowledge it without adding, oh, but that'll never happen again. That was just a coincidence. I have bad luck and uh, I seem to be a little surrounded by people who have that mindset. And it's like, no, no, no. And they think it's just me. Like, well, that's good for you, but it doesn't work for me. Right. No, it works for everybody. It that's that's for- what I hear from, you know, clients I had from people that I'm friendly with that I just don't have what you have. Like it's, it's hard to explain, but it is if you just get rid of the negative talk. And I know people have heard that for so many years and have heard so many people speak about that. But where does one begin if they want to change their life? You change it with your your thought that it's a possibility. And if you can begin with that possibility, and then you begin to speak that possibility, not in a way that you tell a friend like, well, I'm going to do this. And then they hold you accountable. I'm, I'm speaking softly. Right. You begin to just speak softly about everything. When it's whatever the weather is, just notice how people complain about it. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. <laughs> you just say, well, it's winter in New England. So of course it's going to snow. Right. It's, it's, it's summer. And of course it's hot. You don't have to say it like in a mocking way, but you just accept it. And believe it or not, that's all part of your manifestation because things begin to work when you stop the complaining, when you stop engaging. So I give people like a prescription uh, 101, stop watching the news, because if anything big is going to happen, someone's going to tell you. There's no need for you to immerse yourself in the news. Go outside, take a walk, look at a tree, look at a bird, look at a flower and say, aren't you beautiful? Aren't you beautiful? Look at a child, your, you know, your, your pet and just do more of that. And what happens is it becomes addictive and your brain and your body wants more because your brain works in two ways, major ways. Wants, wants of what? luxury. It wants love. It wants, you know, pleasure. And the other side wants you to avoid pain mm-hmm. and that's it. Yeah. And what's happened to many of us is that we move too much into the pleasure por- portion of it that we shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. It could be smoking. It could be drinking. It could be addiction to the news. Mm-hmm. And we move that into the pleasure portion instead of that's too painful 
The good news is your brain will help you make those changes within a few weeks if you just keep that pattern up. I think, you know, I've heard you help me get through some tough times and getting off the phone with you and thinking, I can't do that. That's just Joyce, you know, (laughs) but everybody, for everybody who's listening, like really listen, because if you keep doing this, just that little trick that Joyce was talking about, which I've done very subconsciously. And I remember in 2021, that was a tough year for me. I was just trying to figure out who I wanted to be again. And I remember thinking, I hate the weather here. It's so gloomy. It's so cold. I don't want to be in Connecticut. Just being really negative. And the people around me were that same negative energy. Now, you know, whoever I'm in contact with now, they're like, oh, yeah, it's nice outside. Yeah, it's the fall. Yeah, it's the winter. Yes. It's just, and I don't know, Joyce, when that when that happened, but you guys listening, it does happen, but you have to softly, as you said, Joyce, which is such a great word, softly want it. Yes. Softly want it. Follow that. You know, everyone says the path, but it, but it is, it's your path. It's your journey. And life is short. Come on. Enjoy it. If it's snowing, you know, I always say that if you have eyes to see, you're a billionaire. You know, mm-hmm. yesterday I was in New Haven uh, driving and I was at a stoplight. It was very busy around Yale. And my eye caught like there was a young boy and a man next to me uh, crossing the street. But it looked like I thought I saw a tennis ball or a stick. And when I looked over this little boy, maybe he was seven or eight years old. He was blind. And he had dark glasses on. He had a long stick with a tennis ball on it because his father or whoever was with him, his trainer, was teaching him how to feel for the bump and feel for the curb. And I thought, my God, aren't I blessed? Mm. Aren't I blessed that, you know, that I can see and have ears to hear and legs to walk on. And whatever you have that's working, bless Mm. it. Be thankful for that because... You get so wrapped up, like, I wish I had that house. I wish I had that car. I wish I had that, you know, lover. You know, I wish I had this. Instead of saying um, the paradox, the paradox Mm. of all this. And I just want to say this because this is so important. The paradox of getting what you want is you must love where you are right now. That's so hard, Joyce. You've told me that a hundred million times. That is the key that opens the door. And it sounds hard, but so easy too at the same time. It does. It does. I don't want your listeners though to think that I was born with this golden spoon in my mouth and I just got this. No. In fact, I had relatives that used to ask my parents why I was so sullen all the time. I was an angry angry teen. I was angry at everybody. I was just, I hated, you know, my parents at one point, nobody, everyone was so stupid. And (laughs) I can't imagine that you being sullen. But what I really want to tell everyone is that I went through a very tough time where I, and you know, Jody, I, I lost my home my because my husband lost his business because he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And that is a death sentence. And it's a long death sentence. Yes. 
And I went through probably the darkest time ever, ever in my life. I also have two children. Well, I have a son with autism and I take care of and have custody of my grandson who has autism, not from that son, but from another son. So it's not like everything is easy breezy. Oh, it's easy for Joyce to do that. 2020 was so tough because um, my husband could not go to a hospice or anything. We were in the beginning of COVID and people were dying in nursing homes and places like that. So I'm not a nurse. I never wanted to be a nurse. But I had to learn to do things that I never wanted to do. And by the way, Joyce is all of about five foot two and weighs about a hundred pounds. <laughs> so she is a tiny little human. Five two and a half. I want oh, that five two and a half. Okay, I'll give it to you, girlfriend. <laughs> but during that darkest time, and I felt I felt like I was losing myself because I had lack of sleep. When you're yeah. when you're dealing with someone with Alzheimer's. Um, their time schedule becomes your time schedule and crazy stuff happens. So um, I just remember just closing the door in my room and saying, I have to find something to hang on to that I love, that that brings me peace. And it was wintertime. And I went out and I I sat on my porch because this was, yeah, this was like February, March where it was happening. And I just sat there and I actually just looked at the trees and I just Mm. started saying, aren't you beautiful? And I wasn't a nature girl. I didn't really like being out with bugs and things like that. Right. But that was the start of another deeper journey with me. And I found myself feeling lighter about things. But I want to say that it's also in your breath. I was very cognizant of the fact that when you diaphragmatically breathe, which a lot of us do, which, you know, we do when we speak or, but we don't do that when we sleep and we don't do that when we eat. It, it, it sends a message to your brain if it's up here too much by doing this, that you're in trouble. So your brain starts to send out, you know, all these hormones to make you run like, um, you know, adrenaline and cortisol, because back in the day when men, the cavemen had to run the fight, you actually fought or you ran that fight or flight is something real that's still hardwired in our brains. But because we're not hopefully beating someone up and we're not running for our lives, The brain doesn't know the difference and it keeps sending you all these hormones that make you then have a panic attack. Mm. But when you can move your breath down to your belly, like a dog does and any animal when they're just lying there, their belly's going up and down. In fact, the only time they're in distress is when a dog is barking or, you know, a cat's meowing because it's hungry or you watch a little toddler's belly. Their belly, they're belly breathing unless they're crying. So when we get our breath down to our belly, it registers to our brain that all is well. You couldn't have a panic attack if you're belly breathing. It's impossible. So you just need to think of yourself like a raggedy hand doll in a chair. And then you could feed yourself positive thoughts positive things. I love that. I don't, I don't think you've ever shared that with me and that you gave great visuals. So 
like watching my dog breathe, you know, having little mm. children at one point, they're grown adults now. But even, you know, I have found myself at when I, my, sometimes when I introduce my guests and I'm reading their bios and they happen to be long, I always practice the bio, but then I start getting nervous that I'm not going to say something right, or I'm going to mm. overread something. And I, it, it even happened today because I was practicing your bio because I'm not going to just open up my phone and start reading it for the very first time. And I couldn't catch my breath. And I realized, okay, Jody, slow down your talking, slow down. There's you're like, you've done this a hundred million times, but it still happens. And I noticed that my breath was up here mm-hmm. and not in my belly. So yes, I've noticed that when I've gotten nervous. Right. Yeah. Well, I'd like to go a little more into that. I don't know if we're you yeah, know, we have, we have a, like another, we have like another minute or so before. Okay. Um, yeah. So well, let me give you a couple of little tricks for, okay. for, for everybody that they can do. One is, you know, if you're in traffic in the car and you're late and all that, cause that certainly happens to me. Uh, I close off one nostril, just like I'm leaning, I'm leaning on the door. When you close off one nostril and take a breath in through your nostril, you will automatically diaphragmatically breathe. That breath will go down, right? And I do that a couple of times on one side, a couple of times on the other. And the other thing that I say to myself is, everything is working in your favor. Hmm. Everything is working out just the way it should. And it just, just calms you down, just takes the pressure off. You'll show up on time, even if you're a little late, so what? You know, we put so much pressure on ourselves that we don't need to. We really do. How many times am I, you know, I'm going someplace and I've been worried that I'm getting there late and you wait, whether it's a doctor's appointment or whatever, and you're sitting there like, why was I rushing so much? And that's what we tend to do throughout all of life. You know, especially those of us who tend to be worriers. And I think caretakers can be worriers because you do want to do things right and And then you learn um, in life when somebody says to you, like someone said to me, Joyce, you can't fix them. Mm. You can't fix them. And I thought that was an eye opener. And I remember coming home one day and yelling into their rooms. I can't fix you. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's, right. Because being, I think being a natural caretaker, we do worry. And I I have a friend who says worry is a waste of time. And I thought, uh, uh, could I just adopt that mind thought? Like worrying is a waste of time. And when you really think about Mm -hmm. it logically, it is a waste of time, but it's hard to get to that point. I I don't There's a difference between worrying and being proactive because one of my clients said to me, well, that's not true. That worry is a waste of time because if I didn't worry, then my son or my husband, they wouldn't have that doctor's appointment. They wouldn't have had this because I worried about it. That's why I did it. And I said, okay, but you could still do it without worrying. You could be just be proactive and say, I'm going to handle this now and we're going to research this. But if you always have a house on fire within you, it's just not a good way to live. No, it's very, very stressful. And at that point, at this point, we're going to stop because when we come back from our break, I want to talk about your book, really get into the juicy parts of your book so people can live this wonderful life that they want to because so many of us are stuck 
because we're worrying, stuck because we're afraid. And so stick with us, everybody. We'll be back with Joyce Logan in a few minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. On Fearlessly Authentic, Jody talks about mental and physical well-being, and the key to both starts with proper nutrition. The Jody Fit Jumpstart Meal Plan was created to help your body feel better. Whether your goal is to lose weight, gain muscle, or just feel lighter and more energetic, Following this meal plan can help you get there. The Jody Fit Jumpstart Meal Plan is a 21-day plan to help you learn the most important things about the food we eat and what foods are right for you based on your goals and activity level. The Jody Fit Jumpstart Meal Plan is a real plan for real life. This is not a diet, but a change in lifestyle. The plan is simple and easy for you to follow. In the 21-day plan, you will receive meal ideas, snack ideas, a grocery list, and a 21-day journal crucial to your success with inspirational quotes to keep you motivated and keep track of your progress. The key to success is commitment, consistency, and willpower. Be fearless and trust the journey. Go to JodyFit.com to purchase the JodyFit meal plan now and use the promo code podcast to get 25% off. You need to live up to your full potential. You've heard that for years, but now there's a channel to help you get there. Introducing the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Our listeners have told us that they want to be motivated, hear about success stories, and positive encouragement around the clock. And we've responded to you. The Voice America Empowerment Channel is the home of the world's top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success experts. Listen to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's here at voiceamericaempowerment.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Fearlessly Authentic with Jody Harrison Bauer. We'd love to hear from you with any questions or comments you may have. Send an email to info at jodyharrisonbauer.com. That's info at jodyharrisonbauer.com. Now, back to Fearlessly Authentic. Welcome back, everybody, to Fearlessly Authentic. I'm your host, Jody Harrison Bauer, and I am here with the one and only Joyce <laughs> Logan. And we are talking about her book, um, Starving Your Fears. We're also talking a little bit about anxiety and breathing and Joyce's where how Joyce has sort of manifested a lot of these things in her life and how she helps other people do that. And I wanted to just start off with this quote from her book um, by Abraham Lincoln. It's not by Joyce, it's by Abraham Lincoln, but it was in her book because we talked about age. And for any of you who follow me on social media, I talk about age all the time. I'm super upfront about how old I am. And it's 
I talk about it because I want people to accept themselves for who they are at that age and continue to embrace themselves in that age. And it's okay to tweak because, you know, if you want to tweak, you can tweak, but, but just embrace it. So I love that you had this in your book. In the end, it's not the years in your life that count. It's the life in your years. And that's so, so true because I think we, we look at the years and we go tick, tick, tick. And especially mm-hmm. now I'm going to be 62 at the end of the month, 26 days till my birthday, Joyce. And I, know. <laughs> I, I know the whole world knows when it's my birthday. And so this is my birthday month. And, um, but it's so true. It's not about those years. It's, it's the life in your years. And mm-hmm. I, I just think that for you and I, I think that we're pretty unstoppable. That's we don't think about how old we are. We just think about all the things that we want to do, how we can help people, how you're helping people. And, you know, I wanted to head back for just a second because mm-hmm. we sort of like glossed over the entertainment part of your life, which was a huge part. So mm-hmm. I want to brag a little bit right uh-huh. now about everything that you did and the celebrities that you worked with and did the whole part of your personality that wanted to help. So there's a part of you, I want to help. Then the mm-hmm. other part is I love entertainment. I love music. So how did you melt? How did those two parts of your personality the come way together? Did I melt them together? Yeah, in, you did. In a, in a way that I, I, I just never thought was uh, possible. It just evolved that way. So while I was working in radio, <clears throat> you know, like major stars would come up for interviews. And I know I mentioned like Huey Lewis in the news, but there were, there were so, so many others um, that would come up. And when that would happen, my phone would go off the wall because the, uh, the secretary would send all the calls to me. And there would be people saying that, Oh, uh, you know, no one's answered our letters. And um, my, my son has cancer and would really love to meet, you know, whomever. And I, and I would arrange that. I would arrange that. You know, they would come up and I said, would you mind, you know, they're here. And boy, and the smiles on the faces, and especially the parents knowing that they were right. giving the child this. So on and on. That led me to ask, who's reading your mail? Who's, who's the liaison here? And managers would say, oh, we have boxes and boxes, you know, and they're collecting dust. We can't handle the mail. We can't, no, we don't do this. And, and so then I thought, I think I'm going to start a business like that. I think I'm going to do that. Well, I knew of Michael Bolton because he was a New Haven guy, um, New Haven person. And, uh, and he was coming up for an interview of his first solo album. He was with Blackjack. He was Michael Bolotin. And now he's Michael. That's how I knew him at the Palladium, right? Right. So Michael came up to the radio station and uh, make a long story short. I'm going to combine a couple of things here. We were going to do a parade centered uh, around, well, it's Columbus Day Parade. And part of that is the radio station was in the Columbus Day Parade. And Michael had a song on his album called Hometown Hero. So I pitched it to the powers that be in radio. What if we have a car just for him? It's a convertible and he's sitting there and we're blaring hometown hero and that he becomes like the the focal point. 
And they said, well, that's not fair to the other bands in the area, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, um, I said, well, what if his manager won't let him do it? And Kate, you know, unless he's the only one. So they said, well, if they say that, then he'll be the only one. So I called his manager, Lewis. Mm-hmm. I said, Lewis, you don't want Michael being a parade with other bands, do you? <laughs> and he says, well, no, I'd rather have him alone. Okay, thank you. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so anyway, I, Michael was supposed to do a bunch of promos for that. And the news director was going to do the promos where he would say, you know, listen to us. I'll be at the parade all coming up. Right. So I went to the news director and I said, can I do the promos with him? Let me do the promos with him. So he taught me how to do the machine. But when Michael was there, he said, I have to get to the train station. I have to be in, in New York. And I said, oh, you know, don't have anyone drive you. I'll drive you. So I took the machine. It was a big you're machine. So, you're so bold. No, it was just like it's natural instinct. <laughs> like, right, right. I know. I know. I could do it. Well, what happened was, and talk about just the synchronicity or, or you know, the laws of attraction, all of that. We get to the, um, he said, let's not do it at the train station. Let's stop in this parking lot because it's quieter. And I can't get the machine to work because I really thought I paid attention. This thing was not working. And then he said, let me see if I can try. <laughs> He's trying. He finally fixes it. But guess what? what? He misses the train. The next train won't be for another hour and a half. And he says, you know what? Let's just go have some coffee, maybe get something. So we get something. We sit back in the car and my heart is just beating out of my chest. I'm thinking, I have to say this to him. I'm going to sound like a crazy person. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, "Um, you know, Michael, I was thinking, uh, I'm going to start a company <laughs> and I'm going to be like the liaison with the fans and I'm going to do this and do that. What do you think? Now, he was still a struggling mus- musician. He's living okay. in, in a rent with three little girls, you know, and his wife. And and he looked at me and he says, um, yeah, it sounds good, but you know, I can't pay you. And I said, no, because money was never the object. Right. And I think that's what always propelled me forward. I never went for the money. I went for the feeling. I me went for too. like, what do I love to do? And I said, no, 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 no. Like, don't, <laughs> no, we'll, we'll figure this out. So slowly it evolved that I would go into New York I would sit on a Sunday and I would gather all the names from Michael's manager, Michael's brother. And I started to, you know, there was no online then to go reach people. Right. So I started just writing everything. And then I would call people like he's going to be in Florida, you know, when you're in Florida, just want you to know he's going to be at this club. And it evolved into uh, by the time he won his his Grammy, we're talking like 1990, 1991, right. it was, I was in full force. Wow. And I also had other clients coming to me because they would sit with Michael's manager, Lewis, mm. and they'd say, you know, Mariah Carey, she's just starting out. She's getting like all this. We don't, we don't know what to do with this. And he says, I got the girl for you. You know, why don't you call oh. her? I think Joyce can handle that. That's amazing. I'm working though. That's I'm amazing. And I'm doing stuff and I'm saying yes. And that's the important thing too. Right. When you feel it, I Say didn't yes. second guess. I said yes and I'll figure it out. 
Yeah. <laughs> and that's and that's when people get stuck in that. Am I ready for it? Am I ready? Am I ready? And am I ready? Yeah, you're never going to be ready. We're never, we're never ready. Right. But if you have that feeling like this, I have been put in the right place at the right time. And as afraid as you were to like say to Michael, I, I have this idea. <laughs> yeah, he didn't <laughs> you know? really know me. He only right. seen me or no, he never had like a sit down conversation with me. So it's crazy. It's crazy. Thank you for sharing that story. I love it. I love it. Love it. But love I also it. want to add just one more thing to that. I did run this business plan in my head, not on paper by uh, a, a CBS executive. And um, even Jimmy Coplick, Jimmy Coplick has, you know, yep. like all the, all the shows and events and every, everywhere. And both of them said to me, don't do it because I'll tell you what's going to happen, Joyce. If you do this, you'll make it successful, but the the record company will take it over and they'll just, you know, you'll be gone with, for all that work. I took that in, I sat with it and I went, hmm, I still feel like I need to do this. So I'm going to keep doing this until they take it away. I was kind of like the bumblebee that aerodynamically is not supposed to fly. Mm-hmm. But but I didn't pay any attention to that. I just kept flying. And I did that for 21 years until I sold the company, because by then I needed help. I needed help online with ticketing and things were you know, changing things like that. Things were changing. Things were yeah. definitely changing. So for people who are struggling with the same thing, they have a great idea. They want to go with that feeling, but they're scared. That's, you know, how I want to go through a few steps in your book, but how would one, how would you talk a client, a a patient, a client through getting over that fear of going with that gut? I call it a gut instinct slash feeling. How do you, how do you, do you just keep practicing it? And eventually it becomes a habit. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just changing your your thought process uh, about it. And I would uh, tell them to ignite that, keep it mm-hmm. lit. You know, don't put that flame out, that little spark, because that little spark is going to grow into like a roaring fire within you that's going to touch other people. So don't keep putting water on it because okay. eventually... You may never get that spark to light again because you could become too depressed. Mm. And then you may become clinically depressed and need some medication. And it's like, and I think that happens with people. Even right. people, um, when when loved ones pass in their family and you'll hear that it's been years and they're not over it. And it's, right. you know, and then people will say, well, you know, everyone grieves in their own way. Yeah, I believe that to a point, you know, you can take your time grieving, but my gosh, if we're talking 10 years, years, five, 10 years, right? Then it's time to just let one of the steps in in a book, I think you were going to bring up about the 10 steps. One of the 10 steps from panic to peace is acceptance. This is the book. Starting your fears. I just want to share with everyone. Yes. I wrote that book because my clients kept saying, can you write that down? Can you record this for me? And I thought I have so much to say. And I did not want people spending their money coming to me 
all the time because I would say to them, all right, if you're not following what we're doing here, then you're wasting my time and you're wasting your money. Right. So I thought, well, if I put this in a book, a, t- a, a style of a book that they can open to any page and it will resonate with them, then that's what I'm going to do. So I'll tell people, you know, just, just go on Amazon. You could get the Kindle version. I think it's like $1.50 or so. I don't even know what it is, you know, but to do that. And I well, also- let's go, let's go through those 10 steps. Okay. Okay. So you have in your book, the 10 steps to peace. So mm-hmm. the first one is the art of breathing, which you sort of talked Try about already. Yeah, get get your breath going, get your belly breathing going. That's going to calm your mind. That's going to make you more receptive to um, all that you need to do. Which is and the next lot. one is accept and act, and that's a tough one. That's like you know saying nothing changes without you without anything changing, like nothing's going to change if nothing's going to change. Right. Right. Well, there are people who have that I exclusively work with, with panic attacks, anxiety disorder, especially agoraphobia, because uh, my mother had that. I grew up with that. And when I say acceptance, I mean, don't say what most people will say to me. I hate this. I don't want this. Just make it go away. Make it go away. When you add resistance to something, you give it power. Mm. So you need to accept the fact that, yes, you do have generalized anxiety disorder. Does it mean that it stops your world? Not at all, because we all have something. There's always, there's something. So a generalized anxiety disorder, it's you accept that you have this and you say, well, I'm going to learn to flow with this and not be scared of it. And when you don't, when you're not afraid of it, just like the title of the book, you're starving it. Mm. And whatever you feed grows, whatever you feed grows, but whatever you don't give credibility to, and you just look the other way and say, I'm going to look at that pretty sunset over there Mm. instead of that political fight over there. So true. You know, it changes everything. Yes. And that's the part of the brain that I was talking about, that you want more in the pleasure portion of your brain, of life, of living. Or even if you feel anxious, my God, you're alive. So of course you feel anxious at times. Just don't be afraid of it. Accept it. I'm so glad you said that. I'm just going to say one little thing about that is there's so many people online on social media talking about and, and the younger kids, mostly the, and, you know, I have two millennial children, so I can just say mm-hmm. it, you know, it's the, the, I feel like there's so many millennials out there who are anxious and feel like they need to be medicated and now as they're getting older and they're reaching wow. their late thirties, they're realizing because they have a family, they don't want to be medicated anymore, but there was like this. I'm anxious and the world must stop instead of sort of accepting it and saying, look, we're all going to have a little bit of anxiety. We're all going to be a little bit stressed out. We're all that we all have a little bit of everything. That doesn't mean that we should put so much attention, put so much attention to it. Right. Right. That's what basically you're saying. Right. Yeah. Yes. Um, The next one, you're not sick. Right. And that's where people will label themselves and say, now that I, have this. I can't do this. They they make themselves sick, thinking that it's a disease, and it's it's not a disease. 
nor is it a choice because I don't, you know, want other people to say, uh, you know, when you have a generalized anxiety disorder, it's not like you're wearing a cast where people see it. So sometimes people will say, get over it, just get right, over it. Right. And that makes that person more anxious because believe me, if they could, they would. So you, uh, so I'm talking about acceptance and what was that you just said about? <laughs> well, we had you? accept and act. You are not sick. You're not sick. And then yeah. the other one, um, the next one, because we only have four minutes. I can't even believe yes, I know, it. I know. I'm trying I know. To You'll have to buy the book to read the other, the other six. Go to Amazon. Um, it's not that expensive. It's, <laughs> go on Amazon, starving your fears. Before we close out, I want to talk. I want you to talk about the book you're writing right now, and then we'll we'll close out. Okay. So I'm so excited about this book that I'm writing. Like I, I wrote a, you know, I, I'm like three chapters away from being done with it, but it really is about the easy breezy way of manifesting. And this is what I was saying early on that we all manifest, but we may think it's so small or a coincidence that we don't give it any, you know, credibility. So I'll tell you this one little story. I, I really wanted, I was in uh, the grocery store with my son and he held up a box of uh, brownies with walnuts. Cause I happen to love brownies with walnuts, but my friend Kathy can't have walnuts. She's highly allergic to, to nuts. And, um, so I said, no, 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 I'll, I'll just, I'll just make something. So I went home and I made a batch of brownies, but I really wanted the walnuts in them, except not on the side, because there's something about those walnuts being baked in there. And um, so I get up early, I make the brownies without the walnuts and uh, it looked like it was done. But when I took it out and I was holding it by the handle, it began to, it was heavy. It slid down and the center was like raw. And I had hot brownie mix oozing down my, my stove, the floor, the oven door. I mean, it was on my hands and it's like, and instead of getting angry, I just, I pulled out what I'm so used to doing. I, I laughed. I Good. laughed and wow. said, oh my God, I am just not meant to have my brownies <laughs> you know, with walnuts. And because I made light of it, I am so certain this happened because this has never, ever happened before. Kathy's at the door, rings the doorbell. She's got something in her hands. And she said, oh, here, I was at the, I was at, you know, the grocery store at the bakery department. And they just made a batch of brownies with walnuts. I think you said that you like that. So I got it wow. for you. Now she's the type of person who wouldn't even go near it because it's, wow. it has walnuts in it. And she handed me this box of brownies with walnuts that were so delicious, <laughs> way better than I would have made. And I just said, thank you. Thank you. And it's acknowledging those little things that happen right. where the universe is giving you a gift. That law of attraction. Acknowledge it. Yes. 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 Just remember that one whatever you say you're attracting. So when you say, I don't have this thing, I don't have someone in my life. I don't have a job that I like. I don't, it, it, it mirrors back to you. It's like a boomerang or an echo and it gives you more of what you don't want. 
And you may think, well, that's stupid, but no, it's the greatest gift you've ever heard because that means you can switch it. You can flip the switch and say, I love when I'm in love. I'm so glad you you said that. I'm so glad you you said that. It's so true. It really is. I just... Yes. We have we have like 20 seconds left now. Okay. Um, right. <laughs> okay. So I have to ask you this question. Yes. What does fearlessly authentic mean to you? We have 15 seconds, Joyce. Okay. Fearlessly authentic <laughs> to me is feel the fear and do it anyway. Love it. That's it. That's feel it. The fear. Don't be afraid. Well, You're not sick. Your love beyond belief. I love you. Thank love you for you being too. on Fearlessly Authentic. And thank you everybody for listening today. Joyce Logan. Thank you. We can find you at Joyce Logan. JoyceLogan.com. JoyceLogan.com. And until we meet next time, have a wonderful, wonderful, fearlessly authentic week. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Thank you, Joyce. I love everybody. Thank you for tuning in this week to Fearlessly Authentic. Please listen again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with your host, Jody Harrison Bauer, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and unlock the keys to a more powerful you.